0: Green Divas and Green Dudes come in many shades of green. Here to help you discover and celebrate your personal shade of green are hosts Green Diva Meg and Maxine Margot, veteran radio chicks who share important news about climate change and the plight of human existence, but somehow manage to make most of it fun and sexy using at least 50 shades of green. Hey there. So glad you tuned in. You are with Green Diva Meg. And I'm going to say continually
1: now, Green Diva Max. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fifty Shades of Green Divas. Yes, I love that title. I've been getting a lot of positive
0: feedback from the title alone. Well, I think you really came up with it. You know, you know we were kind of toying around with stuff right, and right. tossing stuff around and brainstorming. Right. We like to
1: use our brains because... We women have brains. (laughs) Oh, shocking (laughs) to some. Not just the other thing, you know. (laughs) Although, uh, but anyway, we're nasty, right?
0: Yeah, nasty woman. I'm a nasty woman. You're a nasty woman? I'm nasty. I'm nasty. Nasty. I love being nasty. So, you know, this, the theme of this show, we're going to stick to a theme, which is huge and broad, even though we're going to narrow it down to one theme, and that is these pipelines, okay? Mm. It's not just the Dakota Access Pipeline or the Keystone XL. People forget that that stuff still has to get to the East Coast. There are refineries here in New Jersey and and near here, not too far. Correct. That they are continually by train sending oil, crude oil, out here uh, from the Bakken oil fields, Mm -hmm. and now we have our own pipelines, and oil transit issues to deal with, right?
1: Right. They're, they're uh, You know, the back and crew comes from North Dakota. It gets sent by these trains that they call bomb trains because there's been many incidents, including, you know, 47 people have been killed due to explosions uh, of that transport of that, that oil. And Phew. now they want to bring that into the port of Albany mm-hmm. and transfer it. And have it shipped down the Hudson River. It's and ridiculous. And so the primary use right now, instead of looking at our beautiful river and enjoying it, it's finally something we can look at and, and appreciate.
0: Well, years of cleanup and being conscientious of, for well, many people, the, the riverkeeper folks. And, right, the riverkeeper.
1: And I- yes, we will... I so think, we'll be
0: talking to Riverkeeper yeah, about that. Yeah, so, I mean, you know, uh, Pete Seeger sang his heart out and got out there and started just by, just literally pulling stuff out of the river. It started with people just got sick of the garbage and the pollution. Correct. So, and years of making it clean. Now you're going to threaten it with right. stuff that we don't need. Right. They want to
1: park. In addition to having them go down the river – with uh, tugboats and and barges and tankers, they now want to set up along the Hudson River places where they can anchor the barges in areas that now you can look out and and enjoy and and feel that it's not going to be polluted with an oil leak or something. And now they want to put like 10, you know, of these anchor places along the Hudson River, which
0: is... Kind of mind-boggling. And none of them are – well, there just isn't anywhere that's not populated along the Hudson River. Right. Uh, none of it's good. And and it seems as though these anchorage spots, mm-hmm. that they want to park them there and they might stay there for a while. Right,
1: right. And they transfer and, and we don't know what can possibly happen. And again, they're putting them in places where finally people are able to enjoy the, the water and the river and it's going to be off of – areas, you know, that I would assume, you know, one would think they wouldn't want to put them there just because they just cleaned them up, yet now there's the Coast Guard and and the Fed and the state. And what gets me is all these, you know, all these these agencies that are supposed to regulate, they are put there to regulate, yet they're all working with the industries they regulate. Mm-hmm. So what happens self-regulating. is self regulating. They they it's like it's self it's like self medicating, yeah. you know. Uh which happens a lot. Yeah. These are self regulating because they just don't, you know, think about what the end result they don't think about the people it's affecting. They just
0: it's the industry. They need to rule. So we wanted to just talk, you know, put it in the greater context, because this is a for us it's a local story. Mm-hmm. You're upstream a little bit there mm-hmm. uh, in New mm-hmm. York State and Chappaqua, the mm-hmm. Qua, as you like to call it. The Qua. It, neighbors of the Clint- Clintons.
1: Yes, the Clintons. That's
0: so funny. And it's, I saw an aerial shot of their place recently because right. they were like, oh, they did a million dollars worth of work without a permit. Yeah, Is that, that true? Mm,
1: that's not totally true, by okay. the way. Right, and uh, it's just another you, me out on that. another, you know, I mean, I don't know the entire situation, but I was told... Through a source that uh, that they threw that out there just because this is what they like to do. Yeah. They like to put – Make the, stuff up and then, you Put know. it out or just say, you know, they saw something when they didn't, you know. And the Clinton's like – they're tar- targets for everything now. And and Hillary has been for 30 years a target. So yeah. what – you know. How much can you take, man? It's like, uh, even local, they're busting your cojones. What, what's I the know. story? I mean, So
0: you're upstream up in, you know, the Clintons' hood. Mm-hmm. And I'm down here in Jersey and even though I'm it's not visibly near, I don't live near any of these Port Newark or whatever, but you know, it's it's close enough that if stuff goes wrong, we're all gonna suffer. And but, there's a lot of water that people drink. Right?
1: It, it's not only the waterways we're talking about. They're going through land. Yeah, that's okay? true, true. they're going through the the Mawa the, the the Ramapo Mountains. Oh yeah, they're That's going through. Uh, is it Ringwood State Park? Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. They want to go on lands with the Pilgrim Pipeline, mm-hmm. and the the what's near me and, and, and near the Hudson is is Indian Point, and they want to put in uh, and they already started construction on it. the the Spectra Aim Pipeline, Algonquin Pipeline, which sits 150 feet. From the nuclear facility of Indian Point. And every representative I know is against it. Experts, uh, senators, our senators. How does this happen? How does this happen? This is why I'm trying to figure this out. How does this happen? How How do they completely go against the entities that. The will of the people. Exactly. Let's be
0: honest. It's The, the will of the people. Because the 1% says, "Yeah, you know, we got the money. You just do what you want to do. Exactly. Anyway. Okay. So we're going to talk about that. But, you know, I wanted – we wanted to just do a little bit of an update even though by the time this is out there may be more news mm -hmm. on the Dakota Access Pipeline because our uh, Native American brothers and sisters are out there. And now many, many people and people from all over the world are joining in and standing with Standing Rock – you know, there's a lot of celebrities going out there to get yeah.
1: arrested. Yeah, let's hey, let's <laughs> hey, let's all meet in the.
0: <laughs> you're standing right and get a, arrested. But, I love Judy Wicks. Do you know Judy Wicks from? Um, uh, is it the White Dog, Black Dog, the place down in Philadelphia? She's really an advocate for local business and okay. sustainable living. I really dig her. But anyway, she had this idea that we should all take Thanksgiving dinner out to them, as a sort of poignant. Uh, that is, you know, full grinna, circle kind of right, deal, sure, right? After we've done so much wonderful things, well, they gave to them. us that original right, Thanksgiving exactly. and they, kept us alive ex- to their own detriment. Correct, because <laughs> now,
1: now they're, they're, they they want to pollute their mm-hmm. water and they want to take away their sacred lands to put a pipeline in to carry. Crude and other, you know, gas that's going to wind up going overseas for it's the most not part. Not
0: even really going to benefit oh. any. So certainly
1: not going to benefit uh, those people. No, and 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 a lot of times these pipelines, people think, hey, we're going to be energy sufficient, you know, self-sufficient. And nope. Well, listen, people, that's not the case because if you read below paragraph two in any article, you will find out the truth. The headlines don't reflect reality. Unfortunately, the media, and that's a whole other topic.
0: So so what's happening out there is we have primarily peaceful protesters. They're not armed. They're not looking for war. They are just trying to stop the madness, right? Because they are they're also trying to protect their sacred land. And if someone said they were going to put a pipeline through a graveyard where your family was, how would you feel, right? You'd be like, uh, No. yeah, No, that's not going to happen. So they're out there getting maced, pepper gassed. Now it's rubber rubber bullets. bullets. Now it's rubber bullets. It's time to write a
1: song called Rubber Bullets. You know, dogs,
0: setting dogs on them. I mean, the whole thing is really horrifying. But I did read one cool article that I believe was accurate and credible that two officers who were assigned to go out there and uh, bully these people quit. They quit. They said, nope, we're turning our guns and our badges. We're not going to do it because it's not right. Mm -hmm. Wow. People with a soul. There you go. I love that story. And then Obama is trying to step up and help in his way. And I think a lot of people are asking him to step up further because he has said that he would protect indigenous rights a little bit more than he has been able to. So his solution, the most recent solution was that He's going to get the engineers and the Army Corps of Engineers to move this thing off of indigenous lands or, you know, whatever has been indigenous lands where there are sacred spots, Eh, you know, and all right. So I guess it's a step in the right direction. One can hope. But I mean, ultimately, the direction would be like, just stop with the pipelines, stop with the Bakken oil fields, because what's happening in the Bakken oil fields is way beyond – just these pipelines and the crude. I mean, it's like the Wild West up there. Right. And and the people that are suffering are the people that live there, that that have their you know, homes there. They're getting sick. They're getting hurt. There's crime and drugs and money and a lot of bad things going on, and including you know fracking. And oh my God, do we really need this? I mean, I don't know. Am I, Pollyanna, to think that we could shift to renewable energy resources sooner than later? Uh,
1: I think we can if we put our minds to it. Well, if you put and, all and this
0: money in energy. Why? I know. Why? It doesn't. Why? I mean, you
1: would think that they're saying, well, it gives jobs, it gives this, it gives that. You know, the jobs are in temporarily and then they go away. Yeah. And leaving the town, I mean. They're bringing in – the ladies of the evening are getting money. Uh, That's one thing that's happening in these places. A lot lot of of drugs,
0: prostitution. In uh fact, uh, let's play a real quick clip from uh, my recent talk. And we we aired the full interview a couple of shows ago with Candy Mossett, who is a young Native American woman who is living up near the Bacchanal. That's her community. She's becoming quite a spokesperson for – This movement. And uh, she's, uh, anyway, she has a lot to say about what's happening in her home and what's particularly happening to women.
2: So they're flaring natural gas while they're going after this oil. And this oil is what's going to go through the rest of the country, through the Dakota Excess Pipeline. It's all about the stock information. And I don't think the national narrative has been really focused on Where is the oil actually coming from?
0: Right.
2: And it's coming from my community where we've been seeing social impacts that people don't even know about. Yeah. Domestic violence, violence against women. We have seen the rapes against women increase by 168%. Wow. We have seen sex trafficking. We've seen heroin coming in. We've seen organized crime coming in because there's so much money.
0: So... With all that said, I, I I think we've done a pretty good job laying some context, right? Mm-hmm, laying absolutely. Laying some context on you. Before we go into, we have an interview today with... John Parker. He is the uh, director
1: of legal programs at Riverkeeper, helping keep our water clean. Yeah. Uh, and they're celebrating their 50th year of uh, being New York's clean water advocate. But there's Riverkeepers, what they do is not just... In New York, it's the whole tri-state and and the whole country, actually, because they have information and they're working really hard to keep air, water, and land clean. So,
0: so before that, let's just remind folks that they can find this show mm-hmm. on com, and we have all kinds of podcast networks where it shows up. A lot of places. Right. We're in cyberspace in every
1: possible place. Right. So
0: it's either The Green Divas, right. at The Green Divas on our on our social networks Correct. or – It's the the Many Shades of Green, uh, which is the
1: website, the com, And we tweet it out at, at our various – at TM Shades of Green right. and Instagram at TM Shades of Green and – Fifty Shades of Green Divas on your site, and it goes to various other outlets, which
0: you—it's on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Spreaker, Buzzsprout, SoundCloud.
1: So when you go on those various platforms, what do you—you you just put down the name Green Divas? I mean, how do you search it? If you so search people would know
0: Fifty Shades of Green Divas, okay, search that mm-hmm. or. The Green Divas because we do have our right. own network pages on most of these. Cool. That's and what I want everyone to know. Do it, people. There you go. All right, stay tuned. We have a great interview coming up. And, uh,
1: we've been talking a bit about... Uh Pipelines in our conversation, me and Meg, and I want to bring in someone who has some really good knowledge on it. That is who we have on the line here, uh, John Parker, a friend, great friend. He's a director of legal programs at Riverkeeper, and uh, Riverkeeper is uh, in its 50th year, which is uh, really amazing of doing such great things and uh they're looking out for us they're looking out for our protection and benefits so we can breathe and and use clean and drink clean water and breathe clean air so
0: john's my new friend but right. he's also like a great friend to the rivers and the environment how about a, that
1: he's a friend to the river oh, and a friend yeah. to the to the to everything up to the earth i'll say uh so so there's a lot of things that we're trying to get through in terms of uh letting people know What's happening out there? And so, John, there's there's pipelines. We're talking about pipelines, and there's one in particular that uh, I think we need to talk about. It's the Algonquin Spectra AIM Algonquin Spectra uh, Spectra line pipeline, which is uh, near Indian Point. Can you give us the backstory on that so people know you know what we're we're facing here?
2: Well, absolutely, and I I want to thank both of you for for having me on. It's it's an honor, as as always. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yes, so River Keepers, uh, the Clean Water Advocate of New York, and that brings us through many challenges over the years, and and none is more pressing than the one we find ourselves in now. So many of us are talking about the energy future and what will it mean and and what will climate change mean. But interestingly enough, the Hudson Valley finds itself at a crossroad In that energy future. Uh, The Hudson River was once a uh, highway from the um, pre-settlement to the uh, European colonization of our country. And today, it it remains that way. We have oil coming from the Midwest to Albany and down the river in barges, in trains. And now we have the area being uh, crisscrossed by uh, oil and gas pipelines. And this brings us into a, a series of questions about what are we doing? Are we doing it safely? Are we following the rules when we do that? Are we making sure environmental concerns and people's safety is being taken into consideration before we move forward? So that's kind of what's shaping where uh, Riverkeeper finds ourselves as we, as we go into this, this 51st year. Oh my the God. challenges are many and, and uh, never ending, but we're on top of it. And I'm very happy to talk about, uh, talk about that with you today. Yeah, I'm
0: thinking he's got his hands full. You have your hands full, man.
2: Well, you know, it's interesting because a lot of people say, well, what's the benefit to us when they're asked to take risk, right? We make decisions every day that involve risk. We get in cars, we do things, but those are our personal decisions. When it comes to a pipeline going through your community that you have received no benefit for, (laughs) that you haven't been consulted about, that people have serious questions about whether or not the issues you've raised in the legitimate forums, in public hearings, in meetings, and in detailed comments, um, are, am I getting the benefit of, the, of this risk? Are, are people even listening to what I have to say about it? And mm-hmm. we're finding in this case that that's not what's happening. Um, the communities here are not benefiting from the natural gas that's being moved through um, pipelines like Algonquin, bringing fracked gas from Pennsylvania through our communities and, and up into the, to New England and, and likely into the international market. So um, it's kind of the, the role of a riverkeeper. Uh, working with community organizations and our our members to um, do the best we can in those processes to really raise these issues, to be the voice um, in this in this complicated regulatory scheme to make sure that um, the federal energy agencies are are listening.
1: Yeah. What's the FERC? (laughs)
2: So FERC is so that's a great question. and uh, Or what, what the understand. FERC. Yeah, I was going
1: to say. <laughs> <laughs> what the FERC is really what I want to know because F-E-R-C, FERC. This is an, uh, a federal agency. Explain what it is. Just give the whole name so people know what we're talking about and why are they letting this through.
2: So the Federal Energy Regulatory Commission, we call it FERC. It's one of the alphabet agencies of, of our government is the one given the responsibility from the federal government to um, decide, think through, do reviews of pipelines. The Natural Gas Act directs them to do this. And in terms of uh, legal fans out there, it gives this federal agency a great deal of power, a great deal of power that even overrides or preempts state or local concerns. Mm. So that increases the stakes of the review knowing that there really are few levers or jurisdictions in our communities, um, mainly the state government, that even has a say in this at all. So the federal government set it, this agency out to make these decisions. They're making them all around the country, and they're making them in our backyard.
0: Okay, so this is the same organization, and I just want to you know, make, put this in context because a lot of people are seeing a lot of news, which is great, about the uh, North Dakota Access Pipeline and what's happening with the the Sioux Nation out there, and and the you know Standing many, Rock, Standing Rock, and many people uh, will be would be affected by um, by this pipeline, and so FERC is as active there. It's the same organization that's uh, making things happen there that's working in in this region, right?
2: Indeed, it is. And one of the charges that they have is to make sure the national environmental laws are followed. Essentially, what that means is a comprehensive look before a decision is made is put into a document called an environmental impact statement. It has public hearings and public meetings. It's meant to be open and transparent, but it is meant to be thorough and comprehensive and make sure many issues are considered. Now, whether you're here in the Hudson Valley and you're concerned about the closeness of locating a major gas line expansion to a nuclear power plant that is aged and that has many questions about that, and that has many questions about whether or not communities could leave, to whether or not you are a um, Native American tribe that has sacred sites and things that are very important to that community, and whether or not as is required by law those considerations, those historical and archaeologically significant sites are being thoroughly studied and reviewed. And I think in terms of our feeling here in our community and in, in, in North Dakota with respect to the thoroughness of the federal government, it's not happening. Right. And um, it's frustrating and it's maddening um, to folks that say, hey, we've been here, this is obvious to us, We all know what's wrong or what's going on. You have to listen to us, Washington. And I think you're seeing local communities here and local communities there, in North Dakota, with the Native Americans, saying the same type of things. Why are you not doing this? Why is our voice not equal of others? Why are our concerns and considerations not being factored in?
1: What is their answer to that?
2: Well, the answer to that is where we find ourselves in Algonquin, which is basically they're doing the environmental review and they're saying, we did a great job. Thank you.
0: We stand um, by
2: it. Yeah, and we stand by it. So as an organization like Riverkeeper and as, as the director of legal programs, it becomes um, important to us to make sure that every part of those processes are followed. You know, there's a lot of things going on in the country now, but one thing I think we must all hold important and and really uh, overriding to us is that we're a nation of laws, Mm -hmm. and we need to make sure we follow those laws because they have really serious impacts to people. You can't just shoot from the cuff, not do a good job, and come out with a result that's really inequitable, fair, and basically not lawful.
0: No, and and can I just interject that when the laws suck, and some of them do, and they're weighted uh, unfairly, then we've got to get active and change the law. Mm -hmm. Just saying.
2: Yeah, I think it's a, two, it's a two-part process and maybe a, a dual way of looking at it. You, you absolutely have to participate at every stage and use the courts where we can, as we're doing in the Algonquin Pipeline case. But you also have to be vigilant with respect to what does and what doesn't work, and I think that's what you're saying. When we see problems and we raise questions and we see that they're not being answered, or the process even if it was followed to everybody's satisfaction, is deficient or needs to be better. We need a balanced government. We need people that can make those types of decisions to make the law better. We all can find ways to be reasonable and to disagree. Right. Mm-hmm. But the question about the law and the process should not be where we're having arguments.
0: Right, right.
2: And we have to make sure it's being followed because, as I said earlier, whether it's why is this so close to a nuclear power plant? What What are the consequences if there's this gas pipeline rupture, which has gone on all over the country? Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's a whole community in uh, in northern California that was essentially blown off the map hmm. from a gas pipeline rupture. So it's not like this is speculative or right. never happened, and the sky is falling. Yeah, not yeah. the case.
1: Yeah, they they and think are... the sky is falling. Yeah. Right. Is the, the the lawsuit is it active? And did it stop any? Part of it being built is it? Is it already? So, so, where is it in terms of being built and completed, or what phase is it at?
2: Well, I, I must say, with respect to Algonquin, um, and I'm sorry to report, there's gas flowing right now.
1: Mm, right, it started and, November, right,
2: November first yeah, or so, something. So, so why am I sorry to say that? I'm sorry to say that simply because there's obviously there's concerns of the community. They've been well documented there's been thousands and thousands of hours and countless resources and time spent in articulating the problems. And Riverkeeper and other community organizations have spent time going through the administrative record, and we have brought the case to the D.C. Circuit, the federal court in Washington that is charged with reviewing these cases. That case, where we raised a number of issues, not the least of which is the proximity of the pipeline to Indian Point and Mm -hmm. the significance of safety risk and the fact that the uh, federal government's own rules to assess that risk were not followed, um, that case is still live. Hmm. So the case, ironically, outlasts the question of whether to flip the gas on. <laughs> That's ridiculous. the gas is moving, and the fundamental question of the case is: Did they review the significant safety concerns enough to decide whether or not to approve the pipeline?
1: So it's already
2: yet. Will hmm. you stand here and the gas is flowing and? We're not done with this lawsuit, and wow. we're going to continue to pursue it because we have briefing due uh the next round of legal briefing to articulate further our arguments is next week. Wow. So we're well into the process. We're w- well into following the rules as they're laid out, but the gas company has pushed and pushed and pushed and accelerated their timeline to get the gas log, and indeed they have.
0: So that that we have to wrap up, sadly, that leads perfectly into the question: What can people do to learn more and to become active in um, helping helping you in protecting the rivers
2: and all of us? Well, I very much appreciate that question. We have taken a great deal of time and effort to set forth in a very open uh, way on our website, Riverkeeper.org the issues with respect to the crossroads of the Hudson Valley in the energy future. And we have a lot of details very accessible for folks to to understand the issues, to understand the legal processes, and we blog at, at every stage of the way. So if you want to know more, riverkeeper.org is a great resource. Okay. With respect to what folks should do, our voice is louder as an organization. As an organization working with the grassroots when people join with us, our voice is louder when there's more people with us. So I always encourage folks, if this is something you're concerned about, find out about what we, what we do and, and join And join other organizations like that. But most importantly, if that wasn't important enough, is to have an active voice yourself mm-hmm. and call your senator, call your assembly person, call your congressman and say, look, we need to make sure that these concerns of our local communities, where we live with our children every day, are addressed if the pipeline has to move 400 feet, what are you talking about? Of mm-hmm. course that should be considered. Yeah. Right, and and right. those voices matter. Right. And the elected officials, as you said, as you alluded to earlier, what could we do with respect to the laws? The local officials are the ones that have the say in how that happens, too. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Correct. So we need a unified, co- coherent, and, and comprehensive voice. And I'm happy to lead a legal effort for the organization here, Riverkeeper, and we will stay... On the front lines to make sure that the law is followed and these issues, as I indicated earlier, are fully assessed, fairly assessed, and we're not going to stop that until we get to where we need to be. That's why we have the courts. That's why we litigate. Thank you,
0: John, for the work you're doing and uh, for everyone out there who has been participating in raising the voices. And getting arrested. Awa- and, ra- and getting Raising arrested. awareness, putting themselves on the front lines of, of this fight, mm-hmm. which – uh, I think it's a little quieter here on the East Coast, but it's happening. And that's why I'm really glad we talked to John today.
1: Yes, definitely. Um, he's, he's, uh, and
0: we will talk again. Yes. He
1: knows that. <laughs> well, he knows I bug hey. him. <laughs> so.
2: N- not, not at all. You you do important work. And okay. I thank you for letting me be uh, a small part of, of your effort to get the word out and then discuss these issues. So thank you.
1: Thanks a lot, John. I appreciate it. Again, it's, again, it's riverkeeper.org. Check it out.
0: You've been listening to the Fifty Shades of Green, a collaborative gig between the Green Divas and the Many Shades of Green radio shows, happily recorded at Green Diva Studio. Be sure to look for this and other Green Diva Network podcasts and the Many Shades of Green on iHeartRadio, iTunes, SoundCloud, Spreaker, and Stitcher, among other places. You can find more information about this show and much more on thegreendivas.com.